From MIT Technology Review, I'm Laurel Ruma, and this is Business Lab, the show that helps business leaders make sense of new technologies coming out of the lab and into the marketplace. Our topic today, better mapping for fast-growing cities. Traffic. Traffic is difficult for all of us, but with an increasing number of vehicles on the roads and congestion, apps that try to calculate the best routes cannot miraculously create shortcuts. But what happens when your country doubles in size in 10 years? New roads, new neighborhoods, new buildings. It's time for a new map. Two words for you, automatic mapping. My guest is Dr. Rade Stanuljevic, who is a senior scientist at Qatar Computing Research Institute. Dr. Stanuljevic studies computer networks and network economics. Currently, he's using graph theory, machine learning, and other techniques to try to build more accurate models of real-world traffic in Doha, Qatar, and other cities. Before joining QCRI, he spent time as a staff researcher at the Madrid Institute for Advanced Studies Network Institute and Telefonica IND in Spain. This episode of Business Lab is produced in association with the Qatar Foundation. Welcome, Dr. Stanojovic. It's great to be with you today, Laurel. Thank you. So lately, you've been focusing on a very specific question, which is how to write mapping software that can generate more accurate estimates of the travel time if someone is driving from point A to point B. And anyone who's ever gotten stuck in traffic because they chose the wrong route can understand why that might be useful. But can you explain why understanding traffic is a network science problem and what insights a network analysis approach can bring? So to get an accurate understanding of the problem you just mentioned, how to route from point A to point B, you basically need two things. You need an accurate map and uh, accurate traffic model on top of that map. And those two problems are both network science and machine learning problems. So if you, if you think about road network as a network or a graph, this network uh, is basically a list of edges, a list of nodes and list of edges where the edge is a road, road segment. And this road segment, what, what makes this uh, road network interesting object to study is the complexity that comes from the characteristics of these edges in the, in the network. So the characteristics of these of this, uh, road segments, we can split them in two types. One are static characteristics. Those are the things such as speed limit, the number of lanes, the, the kind of payment, etc. And these are the kind of things that once you get it right, you, get, you got it right forever. On the other hand, there are characteristics of the road network that are uh, more dynamic. So these are the kind of things that are related to the traffic, the level of congestion, the average speed that depend on the time of the day, day of the week, some events that we cannot really anticipate in advance, uh, etc. Understanding both this underlying static nature of the, of the road network, as well as the dynamic uh, parts that come from the traffic is what makes this, this whole pro- problem interesting and, and useful to, to, to everyday to everyday life, and, and in particular, the, the business cases that we will probably talk a bit later that, that we deal with. Well, speaking of dynamic, Qatar almost doubled in population in just 10 years. And so this creates a huge problem as new roads and new buildings are constructed and drivers are stuck in traffic, but they had these 
quickly outdated maps that just became outdated. How did you see this as an opportunity to help those drivers and oh boy, cities themselves? Oh boy! So each one of us who grew up in Europe or the US probably couldn't or or cannot understand the the scale at which these cities grow. So. In my hometown, which is a city of 200, 250,000 people, the only real change in the road network infrastructure that happened in the last 20 years since I was a kid was just the one single bridge that was built. Hmm. However, in the city of, uh, of Doha, pretty much every neighborhood sees a new underpass, new overpass, new large highway being added every couple of months. So hmm. with that kind of speed at which the city grows, the traditional mapping services cannot really keep up with the pace. And that caused a huge surprise for most of us who came from from Europe or North America. Uh, We were amazed when we arrived in the city and realized that all these services that we we take for granted, like Google Maps or Bing Maps or Apple Maps, whatever your favorite digital map is, they simply don't work. They don't work in the city of, of, of Doha. And uh, the reason why they don't work is because the, they, they were not built under, uh, under assumption that this uh, infrastructure changes as rapidly as, as it does in, in Doha. So uh, in the Institute at QCRI, we realized that a lot of these questions can be answered uh, with network science and machine learning. And several of us started looking at the problem of uh, automatic map inference we started with this sometime in 2017, and we realized that this problem is both incredibly important for a lot of developing cities, but also highly challenging. And uh, we made a lot of progress in, in that part, in uh, understanding the underlying network. And then la- later on, we realized how we can add on top of that the, these dynamic properties of the map, which are, which are related to, to the traffic. I think that's a really great way of trying to explain to folks who may not understand a new highway being added or a new access ramp oh, or a new wow. underpass to every neighborhood. Like, that's astounding. That's so, astounding. We think of Google- so basically, yeah. in the last seven years, since 2013, the length of the road infrastructure in the city of Doha tripled. So it's, it's really difficult to actually wrap your head a, 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 around that number. It's it's unbe- unbelievable amount of I- infrastructure that is being built. Uh, this is all uh, part of the of the project that is targeted to build a, a appropriate infrastructure for the World Cup that is happening in in about eighteen months here in Doha, the World Cup foot- in football, or as you in mm-hmm. North America would say, soccer. So then, why did the map makers like Google, Bing, and Apple Maps have such problems keeping up? Like, how do they traditionally estimate travel times and mapping? Sending the Google car around to map neighborhoods? Actually, that's, that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting uh, question. So basically, most of the traditional map makers, uh, such as Google Maps or Here Maps or Bing Maps, they, they normally have a static map that they purchase once every couple of years from either the governments or the local map, map providers. And then they run under the assumption that these maps change every now and then and that they can catch these changes uh, observing, observing some sort of data that is available to them, either through tracking the phones that uh, they, 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 where they have some sort of location-enabled services 
or through some other means, the assumption, the underlying assumption is that the road networks don't change that frequently. So whenever the road network changes, they would require uh, a human annotator to label the change and uh, update the map. However, in the city like Doha, where changes happen constantly and daily, this uh, underlying assumption is broken. Uh, a major intersection that... Uh, that was changed sometime in 2016 when we moved when I moved to Doha, just a few hundred meters from our office. It took about 18 months for that intersection to be reflected in Google Maps. So basic, basically, that intersection was invisible to Google Maps for about 18 months. And all those routes that should be routed through that intersection were, were basically forced, would force the drivers to go and take a, a big detour that was totally unnecessary. And uh, Google got better over the years. Google and other map, map services, they got better over the time. They recognized the problem. And they are, now it doesn't take them 18 months to reflect the change. Now th that, that process is shortened to a couple of months. But still, even the couple of months can be a, a lot if, if a, a driver uh, or a taxi or a delivery driver uh, requires uh, an accurate and optimal, optimal route. And we saw that as an opportunity to, to solve the problem uh, with uh, as much data as we could acquire and as quickly as, as possible. Yet a two-month response time seems impossible in everyone's real-time living, right? So how did you actually, you and your team, find a better way to estimate travel times? Tell me the story about the, the taxi company, Carwa. That's, that's an interesting story, but just let, let, me, let me say a few words on what is the key ingredient in addressing the problem of accurate routes and accurate uh, travel times in the rapidly evolving city as Doha, the key ingredient is constantly updating the map. So observing the map, observing the changes that happen and addressing them as quickly as possible, ideally in a fully automatic way, is the key. So we wouldn't be able to do so without the partnership with Carva. So Carva is a local taxi company that operates around 3,000 vehicles in the city. It produces a vast amount of information that we utilize to build the underlying map and also to, to build the, the, the traffic model on top, of, on top of that map. And there is an interesting story on how we kicked off this, this project. So this project started purely as a research project, as I mentioned, maybe sometime 2017 or early 2018, we had our first meeting uh, with a taxi company. And that, at that point, we all made some progress regarding the, the map the map services, the, the automatic map inference project that I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago. But uh, after we, we shared that, those initial results with them, what they told us was that they, they were using Google Maps. They were not 100% happy with that. But the fact that th that whole service was relatively cheap, somewhere in the order of magnitude between ten dollars and $20,000 per year, that wasn't a huge item in their, in their uh, annual bill. Uh, and they basically told us, we don't really worry about these sort of problems because we purchased that information. It's not ideally accurate, but it's cheap enough for us not to worry about it. And then we, we, we agreed with that. It was just, that's how it is. It, if Google... Uh, or commercial map service can sell that for, for at such a low price, it doesn't really make sense for, for the taxi company to worry much about it. However, uh, Google Maps is, and as well uh, many other map providers pretty much raised this, uh, 
map uh, API services prices for a factor of 10 to 20 sometime in the late 2018. And at that point, with the growth of their, their volume, their bills uh, grew from tens of thousands of dollars to hundreds of thousands of dollars pretty much overnight. And at that point, they were way more receptive to the idea of building, <laughs> building the service that can help them shave off a few hundred thousand dollars per year of, of that map services bill. And at that point, we started looking into the problem. We, 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 at that point, we couldn't really tell whether we can build a product that, is, that has a, a quality comparable to, to the commercial maps. And uh, that's where our journey started. Sometime in late in 2018, we already had quite a bit of understanding and experience on how to, to do these sort of things. But we actually started working on, on, a, on the product sometime in late 2018. And by middle 2019, we had a, a product ready for testing. And it took a couple of months of testing to actually figure out how good we are compared to Google Maps. And the, the findings were really impressive in terms of the quality of our results, in the speed of our responses, in the availability of our resources. And then sometime late in 2019, the, the local uh, taxi company with 3,000 vehicles switched from, from the commercial map to from, from Google Maps to, to, using, to using our services. So that's a sort of like, it was a rocky road, but it took, took us a couple of years of going back and forth. And I would say probably the, the, the major step was uh, introduction of this, this new pricing, the, the time where Google realized that they can actually monetize on this and uh, where they raised the, the prices for a factor of 10 to 20. That was, that was a deal breaker for us. Without that, we would probably uh, not, not make uh, this, this happen. That is an incredibly enormous uh, increase when you are <laughs> probably a taxi company that may or may not be doing well, depending how exactly. uh, competitive. Exactly. Yeah. That, 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 right that, made, that made a huge uh, deal. So basically taxi businesses in general are very low profit, profit margin businesses. So they care about every, every little penny they can save. So how do you provide those similar services at lower costs? Is it because you don't have the overhead of a Google Map or Waze? Well, yeah. So we, we, like, we, we like to think of our system uh, as a very lightweight Google Maps for businesses. So Google Maps probably takes around $1 billion. The public, I mean, it's, it's difficult to come up with an accurate estimate of how much Google invests in maps every year. But some rough estimates are in the order of magnitude of $1 billion US dollar per year. And that's a huge investment. Mm. However, uh, for the particular type of applications that delivery and taxi companies need, you don't really need all the machinery that Google Maps, Google Maps deploy. So we like to think about our system that we coin Carta. Carta is a word that is in many languages uh, a word that is used for maps. Uh, so our system called Carta is a very lightweight. So we basically remove all the unnecessary blocks and we keep all the things that, that, that are necessary for answering the type of queries that the uh, delivery companies, last mile, mile delivery company, logistic companies or ride sharing companies or taxi companies require to run their businesses. And by doing so, we can keep uh, the running cost as, as small as possible. Carta, but with a Q. Carta with a Q. Too... 
actually <laughs> Qatar, which is fantastic. Uh, if if you if you permute the letters, you get the 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 name of the country that that uh, we are at, Qatar. <laughs> That's right. So t- tell us more about the technology. Uh, you were using machine learning uh, with the data from Carwa to try to figure out the best way to adjust the travel time estimates, depending on the time of day, et cetera. So can you talk a little bit more about that approach? Like, how did you actually keep your data in real time? <sighs> so machine learning is great when you want to capture complex relationship on one hand, and you also have enough data to capture those relationships and train your machine learning models. So fortunately enough, modern vehicle fleets have these monitoring systems that produce quite a lot of data. Production of that data makes this machine learning possible. I would say 10 or 15 years ago, most of taxis wouldn't have that GPS tracking enabled. And then without such GPS tracking, all this machine learning wouldn't, wouldn't have been possible. However, we are fortunate enough to collaborate uh, with, with Carta, which have this, that uh, rich monitoring system that, that basically helps us capture the data, process it, and uh, figure out those two important ingredients that I just mentioned, but I'm going to repeat them again. Uh, understanding the underlying road network on one hand and understanding the traffic that goes on, on, top, on top of that. Uh, on top of that. So all of that information... Uh, allows us uh, to to be not only comparable with commercial map, but also to shave off a few tens of seconds of errors for every trip. And these few tens of seconds uh, translate to increasing efficiency of somewhere between 5 and 10%. It's really difficult to come up with the exact number of how efficiency is improved by, by improvement in the errors uh, of the of the underlying digital map but uh, yeah this may not sound a lot but uh, as I, as i mentioned in the in the business that is running under very tight profit margin improving efficiency for 5% is a huge deal or in other words if you're if you're running a a, a fleet of 3000 cars 5% of that is what 150 cars you can basically remove 150 cars from the from the road and uh, not lose any any business. And removing 150 cars translates to X million dollars per year of, of cost reduction. So this this what I'm trying to say is that all of these little things, few seconds here, few percent there, actually matter because of the imp- increased efficiency. And uh, increased efficiency results in in better better cost cost uh, revenue equation. And that's also important for public transportation, for government agencies who are trying to save that small percentage here or there uh, as they try to become more efficient. Absolutely. Actually, uh, public services here, public uh, transportation here is very, very immature. So a a lot of the public transportation relies on on taxi and ride-sharing services. There is some sort of estimate that the taxi and ride-sharing services take over 80% of public transportation. So buses, uh, buses are very, the bus network is very sparse. So most of the time, if you don't own a car and you want to move from A to B, you're going to call taxi or, or Uber or similar, similar transportation service. Uh, currently, the metro is being built, and that's part of the infrastructure project that we were talking about earlier on. 
the first line was opened last year and the following two lines are, are being opened this year. Hopefully with the public transportation being a bit uh, more regular and uh, with the public transportation network being a bit denser, the need for taxis will, will hopefully will go down. So speaking of trying to build a better society, the QCRI is uh, one of the Qatar Foundation's research institutes. And the Qatar Foundation's goals are to, one, advance pioneering research in areas of national priority for Qatar, and to also support sustainable development and economic diversification, that these kinds of goals have the benefit to help the entire world. So clearly, the work that you're doing fits both of these criteria. What is the broader importance of building smarter and less expensive mapping systems as well as transportation systems. How could this technology help other growing urban centers in the Middle East and the rest of the world? So one interesting thing about commercial maps and a lot of the high-tech uh, products that are built in, the, in, in Europe and, and North America, they're built in the developed world and for the developed world. So commercial maps are not an exception over there. So they are developed uh, with a particular user uh, in mind. And that user normally comes with a deep pocket and normally comes in the world where the roads don't ch change that, that frequently. Those two assumptions are broken in the developing world. Paying a couple of dollars per month may not be a big deal for a taxi operating in Boston or Madrid, but a few dollars per month per taxi is, is perhaps 10% of salary of, uh, of a driver in, in New Delhi, on Kuala Lumpur. So we see Carta as a, as a solution that, uh, that I mentioned, a lightweight solution that can address the needs without going deep in the pockets of these transportation providers. So that that somewhat uh, goes along the mission of Qatar Foundation of helping the developing world. We see our target target market for for the system that we are building in the in the developing world. I don't think we can compete with the Googles of the world in the developed world for the reasons that I just described. Uh, we don't have the resources and uh, the, the expectations of the users in the West world are sort of different from the expectations in the, in the, in the developing world. But uh, yeah, this is uh, one of the reasons why uh, both ourselves and, and uh, our, our leadership is excited to, to push for, for CART. That's excellent. How, how, though, do you respond to the possible new wave of autonomous vehicles? Is that something that actually helps you oh wow yeah you know meet this challenge i'm very very excited about the era of autonomous vehicles it's difficult to say when that era will come but uh, right. the closer <laughs> the closer we get to that date the more important will be the the role of of accurate uh, digital maps so one great opportunity for autonomous vehicles is their ability to optimize the routes and the driving in general to reduce inefficiencies of human decision-making. So, for example, uh, humans tend to use suboptimal sub routes. So each time I go from home to work, each time I take this route, I don't really like to explore. I, ha I have friends who actually, every time they, they get into the car, they, 
they type in the, the destination and they look for the optimal route at that particular time. I, I'm not one of those people. I, I take the same route every day. I, I just, the cognitive load for me to worry about the optimal route is something I don't really want to, to, to worry my, my, myself with. However, with the, with the autonomous vehicles, uh, people wouldn't need to worry about that. You, you, you could just press a button and the autonomous, autonomous vehicle would take that optimal route for you whenever you enter the car. So that, that, that's one way for, for the autonomous vehicles to help you save a couple of minutes here, a couple of minutes there, probably a couple of hours every month. Uh, additionally, autonomous vehicles with an accurate understanding of the, of the road network infrastructure and all the dynamics things that are going on, uh, autonomous vehicles can optimize for some sort of global optimum. Very often, humans tend to be greedy and by being greedy, we may all end up using the highway and by saving, by hoping uh, to save a couple of minutes, uh, we, may, we may put so much congestion on the highway that we all suffer. By having some sort of like a global view of what's going on in the whole, in the whole city, autonomous vehicles can actually reroute us to, to have some sort of global load balancing to help everyone be, be better off. And uh, how far are we from there? I wouldn't say we are that far, but we are probably a few years, if not a decade away from that globally optimum routing, which uh, I'm really, really looking, looking forward to. Because if you think about it, there, there, there are so much road infrastructure out there. If you think about how many streets are out there in the city of Boston, in the city of Doha. However, utilization of these resources is kind of skewed towards very few major roads that uh, end up being congested in the peak hours. And I'm, I'm, I'm a true believer that global, globally optimal scheduling of the, of the routing decisions can substantially reduce the congestion in the city and help our lives uh, in general. Basically, we can spend... Few few hours every week less in traffic uh, compared to what we do what we do nowadays. On the flip side, if, if it would be so easy to travel, then we may end up traveling more. But that's a, that's a separate thing to worry about. <laughs> uh, so speaking about working on science, you apply a lot of really problems and challenges like reducing energy and designing new internet services. So one thing that I keep myself busy lately with is the utilization of, of the, the world that, that we, we, we already have. So everything related to digital maps and accurate traffic understanding to help reduce CO2 emissions. So CO2 emissions, I mean, yeah, there are people that uh, believe and there are those people who don't believe in, in uh, greenhouse effect and 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 uh, global warming, but CO two emissions and in general petrol consumption is a is a huge deal, and transportation contributes to that in in a non trivial in a non trivial way. Uh, I'm strong believer that understanding of the traffic can shave off a couple of percent of of of, of this uh, of, of the CO two emissions and also petrol consumption that can have an immediate effect in in reduce uh, in, in reduced bill that we pay for petrol. But also long term, the reduction of CO2 emission is sort of mandatory. Like uh, one way or another, we will need to find a way to deal with that with that issue, 
And uh, I believe that uh, the combination of autonomous driving, uh, electric cars, and uh, some sort of reduction of uh, inefficiencies uh, will be necessary. And to, to do so, underlying, underlying traffic map uh, will, will be of great, of great help. So let me just give you an example. If, if your map, if your car and you as a driver had a, a good enough understanding of how long will that green, green light be still green, you can have an informed decision of whether you want to keep your driving at 50, 50 kilometers per hour or you perhaps want to slow down and not waste that petrol because the, 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 the light will turn, turn red in a couple of seconds and you'll be just wasting all the energy of speeding just in front of the traffic in the traf- in front of the traffic light so these are the kind of things that uh, i would uh, i'm working on at the moment and uh, hopefully we will be able to report something interesting but this is still this is still working working progress dr stoyevic thank you so much for joining us today it has been a great conversation on the business lab thank you very much laurel it was great talking to you that was dr rade stoyevic a principal scientist at Qatar Computing Research Institute, who I spoke with from Cambridge, Massachusetts, the home of MIT and MIT Technology Review, overlooking the Charles River. That's it for this episode of Business Lab. I'm your host, Laurel Ruma. I'm the Director of Insights, the Custom Publishing Division of MIT Technology Review. We were founded in 1899 at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and you can find us in print, on the web, and at events around the world. For information about us and the show, please check out our website at technologyreview.com. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll take a moment to rate and review us. Business Lab is a production of MIT Technology Review. This episode was produced by Collective Next. Thanks for listening.